well, it's great to be together. It's good to see everyone. Good to uh, be together, worship God, see some people I haven't seen in a while, and uh, it is just so encouraging to be together. And uh, I'm excited about our series we've been going through in the book of James, uh, who is actually Jesus' half-brother. So he's got a good view on what Jesus, who he is, and this is our sixth week uh, as we're going through the second half of James chapter 3. And think of it as fatherly advice. If you had a, a father figure in your life, someone that just would pull you aside and just say, hey, let me tell you how to live. Let me tell you what's going on. Let me tell you the best way. And we've already heard some amazing things. And uh, before I start getting into all the recap here, I want to just, I have a couple of announcements just to continue from what we were talking before. Uh, I want to encourage the church and really praise God in the last two weeks. Uh, we've given almost $75,000 to help the work in the Middle East and about 22 uh, different churches over there, ranging from like one family somewhere to churches of about 200. And uh, thank you so much for your hearts to give and your sacrifice. We've been doing this for about 20 years, and many of you have been a part of that for all of those and kind of combined with our three sister churches in Riverside and Rancho Cucamonga, we've given almost 230000 And uh, so it's just a, a, an amazing testimony to your heart and really God's blessing there. And don't worry if you're still uh, waiting to give for some reason. Something came up. You can still give uh, throughout the summer uh, as you have opportunity. And Danielle was also mentioning our... Reopening. Well, we're I guess we're reopening again, uh, starting June chapter twenty. I mean, June chapter twenty. <laughs> that's later. Uh, June twentieth. Here, uh, there's going to be a survey that's coming out this week as we try to meet all of our needs. Really, our goal is we all want to be together. However, we're going to do that. We're going to figure it out. Uh, we're going to some form of going along with the government regulations there. So there'll be no masks for those that are vaccinated. We're not going to have restricted or, or reserved seating anymore. And we're just excited to be able to go forward with Kids Kingdom. And we're talking about having a, a COVID-conscious uh, area, too, for, for, for people that feel more comfortable in that way. And we just want to continue our journey together, be back together and you can you can just somewhat empathize in how difficult this task is to meet all the different needs and everything. So we ask for your grace as we kind of figure it out and go forward uh, together. And today we're going to be talking about how can I live the good life? And that's one of the pa- passages that we're going to read today it encourages them to live the good life. And as we, I mentioned before, some of the lessons that he already gave to the disciples in Asia as they were integrating Jews and Gentiles for the first time, he told them to find joy in your difficulties. When things get hard, know that God is working and to pray for wisdom so you can figure out what to do. And we're going to talk more about wisdom today. That's a big topic that's going to come up. And he talks about true religion. And I don't know what you think about what does it mean to really worship God? How he defines it is to be slow to speak 
To be quick to listen and slow to become angry. To not just listen to the word, but put it into our lives. You know, the idea that church begins once church ends. Really, church starts once we leave here. We come here to encourage and be encouraged, but church begins when we leave here. And really encouraging them how to treat others as you want to be treated. What he calls the royal law. To not have favoritism and not favor. He talks about not giving preferential treatment in their day to the rich, but to encourage those who are rich in faith. And he talks about mercy triumphing over judgment. And think about the gift as we give mercy to one another that we're putting our faith into practice. It's so easy to judge. It's so easy to look down on people or to just look at the, their outer appearance and feel like we have them all figured out. And yet to give mercy is more powerful. And last week he talked about to the teachers and those that were teaching the word and said, watch your words, that there's so much power in what we say and how we say it and and how we communicate. And the positive side to that is we can build each other up. As we consider one another, as we encourage one another, we get beat down in the world. And we come to one another to get built up. And today he continues his advice to the religious teachers and said, it's not just about your words, but about how you live your life, about living the good life. And I found this picture of this English uh, pub called The Good Life. And you enter it through this telephone booth that, you know, if anybody that's been to London, these are iconic over there. But thinking about... What would, the, what would their definition of the good life be if you enter this telephone booth and you go into an English pub? I'll just leave that to your imagination of what the good life is there, uh, but there's probably Guinness involved in that, that particular definition of a good life. Uh, I didn't say that was the, the ultimate life. I'm just saying that was their idea of a good life. What is your idea of a good life? Where do you want to go with your life? If you could have anything you wanted, what would it be? If you could paint the picture of what your life would be. For some, maybe it would be this. I just like it that there's food involved. That, that would be part of my view there. You know, for some, maybe it's this. You know, celebrating and not having to go to work. Just being at the beach. Hopefully you're enjoying the weekend here. This is actually Connor and his three friends uh, from Georgia. You can see him, the second one in there. No, that's not really him, but <laughs> it could be, though, you know. I was just impressed that they could get up so high. I mean, I was just kind of looking at that for a while. just like, wow, that would be a good life, you know, to increase the two-inch vertical that I have at this point. But just think about today we're going to learn what does God say is the best life? How can we put that into our own? And let's pray as we get started. Uh, Father, we thank you so much that you are with us. Thank you that you're guiding us. I pray that today that you open up our hearts, that you get me out of the way, that we can really think about what do we really believe? What do we want in this life? And we can take your words into heart and put them into our lives. 
God, get me out of the way so that your word can speak. We love you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So in James chapter 3, we're going to be going just from 13 to 18 today, so just a few verses. But I love James that it makes life practical. You know, you cannot read this book and feel like it's not relatable to our life. He said, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. And again, he, he reminds us that you could say anything you want of what you believe, but if it doesn't come out in our lives, it doesn't mean anything. It's not powerful unless you can see it in someone's life, not just at church. This is easy. But in our day-to-day life, not perfection, but living a humble life that is marked by deeds of love. You know, if you think about Jesus, I don't know what do you think of when you think of Jesus' life. There's so many ways that he demonstrated a powerful life. I mean, wouldn't that be amazing just to go in and heal somebody? That's sick. And he gave that power to his followers that they could just heal people when they went along the road. Life for Jesus wasn't always easy. That he, It seems like he was attacked. Almost in every situation, there were certain people that were attacking him, and yet he had the perfect words. Don't you wish you had the perfect words? When you're being attacked. I mean, it's just usually about five, five minutes to an hour later, you're like, man, I wish I would have said this. or I wish I would have said that. He just had the, the perfect words in every situation. And he had actions and deeds that backed up his faith. He didn't just go to church all the time. He was church. He didn't just talk about God. He was demonstrating God. And the amazing thing that I don't usually think about when I think about Jesus is he said, I am gentle and humble in heart. Do you think about Jesus that way? Do you think about how laid back he must have been to allow that children would want to be around him? That he must have had fun, he must have had a sense of humor because kids don't like just people that are serious or yelling all the time and they want to be around, you know, someone that's, that's fun, that cares about them, that's into their world. And today we're going to look at this chapter and the wisdom from God and think about Jesus, his gentle and humble heart. How was, why was Jesus humble? He knew everything. He knew what you were going to say before you even said it. He knew it in your mind. He knew where he was going that day. He knew who he was going to run into. And he knew that he was the man. He created everything. He could do whatever he wanted at any time. And yet he still remained humble. That's not probably how I would have played it out. If I had that full control of everything, I would have probably... Used it for myself at some level, but Jesus remained humble, and I believe that was for us. But we're going to look at the perfect, the good life here today. And I don't, this was a little bit of our best life here this past week. 
Oh, you can't read it. But Chloe and I went hiking up San Gorgonio. And somehow we got this idea Monday, and we went on Wednesday. Not always recommended to do something uh, so impulsively, but we just said, hey, let's do it. We're going to go for it. And it sounded so great until we started. (laughs) It had a happy ending. You can see we made it to the top. But in the first mile, I was asking myself, what did we do? I don't think I'm going to make it. I'm going so slow. She's like leaving me in the dust, probably getting frustrated with me, just wondering. But the struggle was worth it because we finished. Seven hours later, we made it to the top. Twelve hours to get back to the car. In the last three hours, it was just like a total slog. It was just... Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And we, but man, the view from the top was totally worth it. To be able to look around, we could see the the low desert. We could see, you know, desert hot springs over into Beaumont Banning. You could see San Jacinto. Wow. No one said that living the good life was easy. It's a struggle. There's times when you're not sure you're going to be able to make it. And you're just slogging along, trying to, trying to go through life. And yet, if we persevere, I believe that God has an amazing victory plan for each one of us. Let's continue on in, in James chapter 3. He says, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts... Do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. That in so many ways he was telling them of how to be wise, and yet his audience was more in this category at times. That you could really summarize everything that's contrary to Jesus in those two terms, envy and selfish ambition. That all of our sins tend to go into these two categories when we're thinking about me and not you. When I'm looking at others and wanting what they have and cutting corners to get what they have and lying because I don't want to be humiliated. I don't want people to look down on me. And he's talking about a wisdom that comes from above. Something that's higher than this life. And yet so many of the Jews, Jewish Christians that he was talking to, they didn't like what was going on. They had this church all to themselves and now the Gentiles were coming in and they're like, hey, this isn't right. They're not doing it the way we're supposed to do it. They don't even understand all of our history. These guys don't know anything. They're so worried about themselves and how comfortable they are, and they're not seeing people. They weren't slow to anger. They weren't quick to listen. And there was disorder in every evil practice. 
It doesn't take much to look around and see envy and selfish ambition. I know that that defined my life before I knew what this wisdom was all about. That defined my decisions and how I looked at everything. How I wanted to get ahead. How I wanted to push people aside. How I treated women in every area of my life. And yet, God came along with a different kind of wisdom. And praise God for that. So we're not going to talk a whole lot about these two things today, but just look around. When you're watching the news or when you're online or whatever, just think of these two things, envy and selfish ambition. When you see that post of somebody doing something that you want to do, or you you see somebody that has something that you want, and you'll see that that is not what makes us our best for God. He says, he gets the good part, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. That's the world. That's the vision that God has for us and for this world. Peacemakers who sow in peace will reap a harvest of righteousness. And so now we are blessed because we're going to get to hear from one of our own, Bella Hernandez, is going to share a little bit about putting this wisdom into her daily life and how that affects her. So give it up for Bella. Hello. Hi, everyone. My name is Bella, and I'm not sure which ministry I'm part of because I just graduated, so I'll update you guys next week on that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I'm just really excited to share today. I think this is my first time sharing in front of everyone here, which is really exciting. Um, so thanks for letting me share. But um, so I wanted to focus on this uh, this scripture. Oh, that's cute. Um, James <laughs> James three seventeen through eighteen. So I'm just gonna read that one more time. Um, so it says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemaker, uh, peacemakers who sow in peace. Reap a harvest of righteousness. So I'm not sure if all of you guys are familiar with Enneagram tests. It's like a personality test. And basically it's like nine different personalities that you can test into. Um, and they all have it, like their each own names. So I tested into the Peacemaker group, which is type nine. Um, so Peacemakers desire harmony. They're easygoing, empathetic. And on the flip side, people pleasers conflict avoiders, and they ignore and numb themselves from their own problems. So that's a fun fact about me. (laughs) (laughs) I run away from my issues. I'm just kidding. Um, So, yeah, so I was just reading that, and it says peacemakers. So I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, So, but back to the scripture. I think um, reading the scripture, I was just really trying to think of, like, okay, how can I be wise in in these big decisions that I'm making in my life coming up? Like, I just graduated. I'm making big decisions where I'm going to move what I'm going to do with the rest of my life, all those scary things. Um, and I was like, how can I be wise through, through making these decisions? But I think I realized, like, the, the biggest decisions we make are actually the small decisions we make throughout our day because they build up who we are and who our character is. Um, you know, the decisions like, if there's a rude customer at my work, how am I going to treat them? How am I going to treat my brother when he's grumpy and play Call of Duty all day and I just want to spend time with him? 
Um, how are you going to treat the person who cut me off? You know, I think that that shows so much more of my character than what am I, where am I going to move, you know? Um, so I think, you know, in order to have wisdom, we have to have discernment. And we have to have that voice in our head saying, like, hey, it's probably not smart to, like, race this guy on the street because you're mad at him or, like, call your brother something mean. Um, and having that voice in our head to make sure that we're making those right decisions. And I think just going through the scripture, I just look at that and I, I just read, like, um, you know, how, how can I have pure motives when I'm talking to people and when I'm talking to that customer who's really rude to me or to my boss? You know, am I being genuinely nice to her or am I being nice to her because I want something? I want to raise or something? Or do I have my own agenda? Um, am I being considerate with my family, you know, with dishes and chores? I think my parents will tell you I hate dishes. I'd rather, like, scrub the whole floor with a toothbrush than do my dishes. But um, my dad actually loves dishes, so it's his little present <laughs> when I don't do them. Um, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> um, am I being submissive? You know, if I hurt someone and they're expressing to me how I hurt them, am I willing to listen to them and submit to what they're saying to me, or am I wanting to get my point across? Like, oh, this is why this is where I was coming from. Or people who I don't agree with, am I so willing to tell them my opinions and not submit to theirs and listen to their perspective? Um, am I full of mercy? Am I quick to forgive? You know, I think it's really easy to want to be forgiven very quickly, but to forgive people, I think, is a little bit harder. Um, am I producing good fruit in my life? Am I being impartial? I think this is one that really stuck out to me, because I think just in the world right now, just with the polarized climate, with differing opinions everywhere you look, I think it's just really easy to have, or it's really easy for me to have my own opinions and think that I'm the right person, but um, not being willing to be impartial and listen to the person in front of me who has differing opinions, I think that's really important. Um, and then am I, being, am I being genuinely sincere to people, or am I people-pleasing because I want something? Um, and so the last scripture reads, Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. And so I think it's just really clear that God holds me to a standard that's uncomfortable. You know, it's not easy to do these different things, but I think that doing these things reaps a harvest of righteousness. So thank you for letting me share. Ella just graduated from Cal State Fullerton. You can see her picture up there. You're looking at the good life right there. That wasn't maybe what you thought of when in the beginning when you thought of what the good life is. There's no beaches on this life. <laughs> but think about these qualities. If you want to have the good life from Christ, this is it. Whatever it is in our brain is not it. This is it. And so I wanted to take a minute to just go through these different qualities and think about as I went through, it was each one was so different from what I naturally want to be. And it was very enlightening, and I connected each one of them to the Beatitudes or Jesus' first sermon on the Mount that he taught everyone of. This is what's most important. And you could see the connection that James, his brother, was saying the same thing, just in a little different way. Because in everything that I want to do here is to help direct us back to Jesus. It's not just about our ideas and whatever we think, but to be able to... He, he's the one that claimed to be the way and the truth and the life. He was the one that lived it out day, day after day. But wisdom from heaven is pure. 
And this isn't just talking about pure as in sexual purity, as sometimes we think about it, but just pure in our motives, pure in our hearts. It says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Maybe it's been hard to see God in your life, and maybe because our motives aren't pure, because we want what we want, and we're not looking for him in who he is and what he wants us to be. But just like pure water, that God wants to have our hearts that see him clearly. Not just see what we want to see, but see him for who he really is. He says, wisdom from heaven is peace-loving. And I have a picture of the white flag. How many people like to be the first one to wave the white flag? Now. That's because we're earthly, right? I'm going to fight you until you wave the white flag, and then I'll wave the white flag, because then I still win. So if you want to have a good life, you need to be the first one to make peace. Not the first one to argue someone you don't agree with, but the someone, you're bringing people together, not pushing them apart. It would be probably good for each of us to carry around a little white flag in our pocket somewhere. During the day, we can put our hand, oh, okay. I give up. I want to be friends. Our relationship is not worth it to get into this argument right now. And I'm not just talking about at work or people that you don't care about. This is more like in the home, (laughs) right, with people who are around all the time. That's when we really need the white flag. And to really believe that it's better to make peace, that it's not weak, that's the good life. That's the one who will see God. Did I? Uh, oh, that, that's the one that will be called children of God. Because that's what Jesus did. He came to bring peace. That was his whole mission. Wisdom from heaven is considerate. Wow, this is a tough one. You know, somebody was telling me they were somewhere, and one of the people that was there was very concerned. You know, hey, are, are we are we messing it with anybody else? Are we blocking their view? Are we in their way? And and as they were telling me, I was like, I wouldn't be thinking about that. I would be just trying to get the best seat, right? Get up front, get wherever I can. And but to have that consideration for other people, I love this picture of her just cleaning off her brother's hands with their teapot there. But Jesus said it in a similar way. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Really? When you are considerate of others, that you win with God. And he blesses your life. And sometimes you wonder why we don't have the good life. Because it's not maybe the life that we expect. He says, wisdom from heaven is sincere and impartial. And this was a big issue in the church here that James was writing to, that they had preferential treatment all around, and people got better seats than others. People were looked down on because of their, their jobs and their, their class and society. And yet Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. 
for, for they will be filled. That they want to do what's right, that they want to please God, that they're going through painful struggle. They're slogging up the mountain because they want to please God. Because they want to do what's right. They're not going to give in. They're not going to stop. They're not going to quit because they're motivated by, by God. And it says that when you have that heart that you will be filled. This year there's been a lot of this. A lot of pain. A lot of struggle for righteousness. And in the same way, God has filled us. He has been there for us. It says, peacemakers who sow in righteousness reap a harvest. Sow in peace, reap a harvest of righteousness. And I found this, uh, this picture. And it's, it's, it's this show called The Good Life. And it's like eight different farms around the world. And I haven't seen it, but I just read a little bit about it. Enough to tell you about it, because you probably don't know about it. (laughs) They just decided, we're going to go back to how it was supposed to be. They're making their own food. They've got their family out there. They're just getting back to a simple living. I don't know if they have cell phones or any of that stuff. You can check it out. Let me know. But think about the hard work it takes to grow your own food, to take care of your own animals, to deal with all of that, that living the way that God wants us to live. It's not easy. That means we got to break up the ground that's our hearts. we got to go through pain and get deep and let other people work on us too and let God work on us. We've got to plant God's word deep into us and then allow God to let it grow. And it says that we will reap a harvest of righteousness if we sow in what? In peace. Are you a person of peace or a person that wants to fight or a person that wants to win? A person that wants to be ahead of your neighbor. That's what we talked about before, right? Envy and selfish ambition. Now it's kind of all coming back. But God promises us that if we truly hold on to his peace, that he will bless our lives. And I'm excited this midweek uh, as we meet in our family groups. Uh, there's a There's a... A couple people that we're going to look at, we're going to look at Jesus' brothers in John chapter 7. And just how there was this conflict with Jesus and his brothers, because at the beginning of their life, they didn't understand this. They were trying to tell Jesus how he should live, and yet Jesus was trying to tell them how they should live. You ever been there? God's like, hey, go this way. And you're like, God, no, this way is better. And finally, James got it, but there were some times that he didn't quite get it. And then there was another woman who came to Jesus right before he went to the cross. And she was in a room. They were having dinner. She wasn't one of the guests, but she recognized Jesus. And she came in and she poured oil over his head, this expensive oil. And everyone at the party was upset because she was wasting this expensive oil. On Jesus. 
And yet, when we look at it now, we see who was really the smart one. Who was the one that really had wisdom was the one that recognized Jesus. Everyone else was worried about money, and she was worried about righteousness and being close to him. So we're going to look at that in our midweek, but as we continue to think about earthly and godly wisdom. And now is a time where we take our communion each week, and we recognize the body and blood of Christ that brings us together. And in, we recognize this peace that Jesus gave us. In Ephesians 2, it says, For he himself is our peace, who made the two groups one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside his flesh, in his flesh, the law and its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which, by which he put to death their hostility. That Jesus embodied this peace, this wisdom, between the Jews and the Gentiles, between people that hated one another, that they could be part of one family Together, That even now, Jesus is our hope as we follow him, as we put this wisdom into our lives. But, but the peace that he gives us isn't meant to be kept to ourselves. It's meant to be shared with those around us. That as we have peace with God, that we have the ability to give this gift to those around us. We have the ability to give the gift of compassion to those in our lives. We have the choice to give the gift of empathy and to understand those around us. We have the choice to give love to those who are near us. You know, this past week, May 25th, my parents celebrated their 64th wedding anniversary. Incredible. We got to see them. They were out on the town celebrating and uh, just an amazing example. And they're still in love. It's, it's kind of weird sometimes being around them. They're, they they get lovey and it's kind of uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> but an amazing uh, gift that they share. May 25th uh, this past week also was a interesting day that marked a year from the tragic killing of George Floyd. It brought awareness of issues of race and unfair treatment in our country, not just for black people, but for Asian Americans, Hispanic communities, and other peoples of color. Today, as I thought about this year, it was moving it was a hard year. It was a hard year for all of us, wasn't it? It was a heartbreaking year. It was a year of fighting and a year of division. And yet, it was a year that God designed. He allowed all these things to happen to see if we really would put his wisdom into our lives.
to see if we really would stick together. It's not a time to blame one another, to blame any race or another, but it's a time to come together in Jesus' name. That in his name, we're able to love one another, we're able to be together, we're able to recognize what's important. Because of his sacrifice, we get to be one family. We have a long way to go to understand each other. And there's still a lot of pain in this world. But within Christ's church, we're making some progress. I want to thank all of you this past year for talking to one another. Not just for talking for one another, but for listening to one another. For learning from one another and from growing together. Not easy conversations that you've started and been a part of, has it been? Many of you have created a safe place to have these honest conversations that most people never have. Because of Christ. Because of his peace that he gave us. A year ago, because of our our love for our brothers and sisters, and many of us, even as ministers, we apologize for our part in this problem in our world. And the problem that many people of color have, have experienced. Some of you felt that you were being blamed personally Some felt at times that we were against the police and even against one another. Some felt that we were reacting to public or political pressures. And some felt that our services even got off track of the message of Christ. I want to personally apologize to you for these things that have been mishandled in the past year. Not intentionally, but it was a learning curve for all of us. And my heart and our heart, even as a church leadership here, is to love one another and to be committed to making this a church for all nations that still comes together because of Christ, that still loves because of his love for us, that still forgives because we were forgiven. And when we look at one another, I pray that we see Jesus. That that's the only thing we see. That that's the most important thing we see. Because we still live in a lost world that doesn't share this same hope in Christ. Even this week, as a senior staff in the Inland Empire, we talked about these issues. And one of our black sisters shared how she has been with Jesus in this church for over 30 years. And for him, for her, it's always been about Jesus. She left behind her church and what she was used to to follow the truth and follow the word. As many of us did, we left what we were comfortable with because we wanted to follow Christ. She shared how she's still worried about her family when they leave the house because of the color of their skin and how they may or may not be treated. 
This wasn't to blame any of us, but we just heard her as a sister just sharing her heart. My prayer is that as a family, we can continue to do the same. That we won't blame or overly take things personally, but we're able to have compassion and listen to one another. How are the conflicts in the world going to end? If they don't end here, then how will they ever end? And they have begun to end in many ways. We're not here to make it about anything but Jesus and his name. He's the one that can remove, that has removed our sins. He's the one that can remove our hurts. He's the one that brings healing. He's the one that listens to us when we're frustrated and we're tired of it and we can't go another step. And he's the one, as we heard today, that fills us up when we come to him empty. I pray that today, after this year, that you will commit yourself, as I am, to live the good life. Not just whatever we want to do, but the good life that Jesus lived. And I hope that you will be willing to fight to stay with Jesus and each other another year, and another year, and another year, and another year. Let us recommit to Jesus as we take our communion today, that he's the one that destroyed our barrier between us and God. He's the one that destroys our barriers between one another. And let us recommit to this wisdom that comes from him. The wisdom that is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial and sincere, and be peacemakers who sow in peace so that we can reap a harvest of righteousness. Let's pray as we take our communion together. Father, we thank you that you have given us everything we need through Christ. Thank you that he demonstrated all of these qualities that are so foreign to me in so many ways, and yet through through your spirit they they have become a part of all of our lives. God, help us to listen to you. Help us to respond to the love that you displayed as you lay down your life for us, as you shed your blood, as you gave up everything because you were more considerate of us than you were of yourself. God, thank you for the way that you've shown us that path and help us today to recommit to you and recommit to this path of wisdom that comes from you. We love you. Thank you for Jesus. Amen.